Radio.com. It is Wednesday, the 6th of September. Let's begin in prayer, praying a a prayer written by St. John Utes in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Lord, you have created me for yourself to love you and enjoy you. Infinite good, ineffable beauty. Do not permit me to lose sight of this end toward which I must tend. Do not permit me to wander among the wretched satisfactions that vain, feeble creatures can offer me. O my Lord, what poor use I have made of creatures. Pardon me. Henceforth, I do not want to use anything unless it is for your glory and according to your holy will, as your Son Jesus did. O my God, if in the past I have turned aside from you who are my beginning, my end, and my supreme good, if I have turned toward myself and toward creatures, preferring their will and mine to yours, I now promise to renounce entirely and forever the world and myself, to give myself wholly and forever to you, O my God. Amen. It is a better way to start a Wednesday. There are probably some created things in your life, I know there are in mine, that grab the attention and turn me away. Shiny stuff that distracts me, but uh, hopefully we can turn our attentions towards the good, the true, and beautiful today. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Of this hour, Father Burke Masters has a new book out. He is chaplain to the Chicago Cubs, the Catholic chaplain for the Cubs. And he is going to talk a little bit about his own journey uh, trying to play professional baseball and how he found a vocation to the priesthood in the midst of that. Father Rob Jack will teach us some terms. Uh, We're going to do some series, some, some segments with him over the next several weeks on how to speak Catholic, as it were. Gary Zimak will look at Romans 8.28 a uh, famous verse about God working all things together for good. But what does that verse really mean at the end of the day? And then Andrew Swafford will look at Second Samuel in our ongoing series on uh, the book that he and a couple of others contributed to, A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Iraqi Christian leaders are assisting the United Nations with the ongoing investigations into the ISIS-targeted genocide against Christians. The United Nations investigative team organized a conference which gathered more than 30 Christian community leaders to discuss the recent attacks. A United United Nations investigative special advisor said the attacks against Christians are rooted in hate and inhumanity. The community leaders are urging the UN to hold the Islamic State accountable in the court of law. Oil prices are on the rise after Saudi Arabia extended its oil production cuts through the end of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. According to the state-owned news agency, the voluntary one million barrel per day reduction is going to be reviewed on a monthly basis until then. The Saudis first applied the cuts in July after oil prices fell below $75 a barrel. After Tuesday's announcement by the Saudis, Brent crude prices jumped above $90 a barrel. I'm Mark Mayfield. A sizzling heat wave continues to hit the eastern U.S. this week. More than 50 million people were under heat alerts yesterday from Minnesota to Texas to Massachusetts. 
Several cities broke temperature records over the holiday weekend. Mid to upper 90s are in the forecast today in places like Philadelphia and New York City. In Washington, the mayor activated a heat emergency. The south and the northeast could see high temperatures for a few more days, while the Midwest is likely to start getting some relief. Another hurricane is likely forming in the Atlantic Ocean. The National Hurricane Center says tropical, a, a tropical depression strengthened into Tropical Storm Lee yesterday, packing winds of roughly 45 miles per hour. It's forecast to strengthen into a major hurricane later this week before reaching Category 4 status by Saturday. The system is moving west-northwest and could impact the eastern Caribbean, including the Leeward Islands and Puerto Rico. It is unclear if Lee will directly hit the United States. Less than 24 hours after returning to Rome from Mongolia, Pope Francis made a surprise visit yesterday to the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith to express his gratitude to the soon-to-be-retired prefect. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The director of the Holy See Press Office, Matteo Bruni, announced in a statement that the Holy Father visited the Vatican Dicastery on Tuesday morning, just after 9 a.m. There he met with and thanked Cardinal Luis Francisco Ladaria for all his work during his years serving as its prefect. After meeting with the Jesuit Cardinal, the Holy Father also greeted various officials within the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. In July 2008, Pope Benedict XVI appointed Ladaria, a Spanish Jesuit and theologian, as the secretary of the then Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith and made him an archbishop. Pope Francis named him prefect during his pontificate, succeeding Cardinal Gerhard Ludwig Müller. The Pope named him a cardinal in 2018, and Cardinal Ladaria served as the dicastery's prefect from 2017 to 2023. Cardinal-elect Victor Manuel Fernandez of Argentina is succeeding the 79-year-old Cardinal Ladaria as the prefect and will soon take office in mid-September. The Holy Father just completed his four-day apostolic journey to the Asian nation of Mongolia to visit its 1,500-strong Catholic community, which is mostly concentrated in the nation's capital of Ulaanbaatar. The visit marked the Pope's 43rd apostolic journey abroad and the 61st country he visited as Pope. I'm Devin Watkins. Narcan will be available over-the-counter starting this week at major retailers like Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid. The nasal spray can be used to help people suffering from an opioid overdose and requires no training to use. A box contains two doses and sells for $45. And the first regular season coaches poll is out with a few changes from the preseason college football poll. The top four teams Remain the same, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Ohio State. Florida State is up three spots to round out the top five. After not being ranked in the preseason poll, Duke is now 24th and Colorado 25th in the nation. pair of Tigers teams experienced the biggest drops in the poll. LSU fell nine spots from 5th to 14th, and Clemson dropped 12 spots from 9th to 21st. TCU and Texas Tech were the two programs that got bumped out of the top 25. TCU. Wasn't TCU supposed to be in the playoffs last year? Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Speaking of wild, do we have an update on the on the wild card uh, situation? Oh, you know uh, what? I have not checked, but our Reds. 
So how about them Reds last we night? We got what three? Is it four wild card spots? It's three wild card spots, right? Uh, yes. I, it, it gets so confusing. Three. They change the playoffs every year. So you got Phillies, Cubs, and Reds, and then Marlins only half a game back of that. Diamondbacks only one game back of that. Giants know, only nuts. two games back of that. That's the National League. In it's the crazy. American League, you got Rays and Mariners and Blue Jays as your top three. Rangers half game back of that. And then you get the Red Sox further down. But it's uh, is, September baseball is exciting. I know. Well, especially this year as Reds fans. Yes. Indeedy. For sure. I have to put this all out because we got to talk to the Cubs chaplain here in just a moment. I know. But, I know. Uh, at any rate, we're glad you're here with us on a Wednesday, the sixth day of the month of September. It's eight minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Burke Masters, who's got a new book called A Grand Slam for God, A Journey from Baseball Star to Catholic Priest. Father Masters is the chaplain for the Chicago Cubs, the Catholic chaplain there. Father, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, but uh, just to get this out of the way, so the Sunrise Morning Show originates from Cincinnati. We are all lifelong Reds fans here. Um, Our engineer, Paul Lockman, was born May 21st, 1990, at the beginning of the Reds' wire-to-wire season when we ended up sweeping the A's in the World Series. So the idea of me creating any sympathy whatsoever for the Chicago Cubs, uh, I'm summoning all the Christian charity I can here, Father, so I appreciate your patience in advance. Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, I have to share uh, part of this is in the book. I didn't grow up a Cubs fan. Uh, I grew up a Phillies fan here in Chicago. Oh, see, now that doesn't make anything any better at all. <laughs> And then my parents grew up in St. Louis, so they're diehard Cardinal oh, fans. And when they, they moved to Chicagoland. Anyway, long story short, I, uh, I, had, I always say I had two big conversions in life. One was becoming Catholic when I was 18. And then the second even bigger conversion was becoming uh, a Cubs fan uh, about 10 years ago. So, but it's, it's a joy now. Now that I get to know the guys and uh, you know, it becomes very personal, um, it takes on a whole new meaning. Well, between the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Phillies, like every single one of our listeners has cringed along the way, right? These are all very loyal and devoted fan bases and strongly opinionated. But, you know, you mentioned uh, the conversions uh, in your life, and the Cubs one is an interesting one, but not the most important one because you uh, had basically your whole life plan change as part of your uh, encounter with Catholic education. I wonder if you could share that with us. Yeah, I did. I so I wasn't raised Catholic. My parents were both Christian. And when they got married, and I'm the youngest of three boys, life got busy, and they said we just kind of fell out of practice. We didn't really go to any church growing up. And so they sent me to a Catholic high school because it had the best baseball program in town. <laughs> and, and my dream was to be a professional baseball player, and I, and I was moving toward that dream. Plus, you, you could always get a good education in a Catholic school, so... I went to Providence Catholic High School thinking I'm going to get a good education, further my baseball career, and and that's it. And I get there, and I, I encounter the Eucharist, I encounter priests and religious, and the beauty of the Catholic Church, and I was just drawn in. And so I, I ended up becoming Catholic. Uh, I was baptized because I wasn't baptized as a child. And uh, when I was 18, just about a week before I graduated high school. Wow. So that's pretty cool, um, and you know this is this is one of those things that that 
I think a lot of Catholics can be a little bit cynical about, right? Oh, you know, this Catholic high school is just a sports school. Kids go there for the sports. They're probably not getting anything really of the Catholic faith. I think sometimes it can be easy to underestimate the effect um, that a kid who goes to the Catholic school, like just going to Mass and just watching other kids receive, uh, the kind of impact that might be able to have on somebody. Absolutely. We, we can't underestimate that. And, and now as a pastor of a parish that has a large Catholic school, I I don't take that for granted, and I realize that we have uh, well, many Catholic students, but several non-Catholic students, too, and to, um, to show the beauty of the Church uh, in its fullness. And For me, it was the Eucharist. You know, I, I'd watch my friends go forward for communion, and they did it so reverently, and I would say, why, do they, why are they reverent to a piece of bread? That's what I thought. And then they teach us in the theology classes that this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And I thought, how can that be? Well, my junior year, I went on a retreat, and uh, on this retreat, there was a visiting priest. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. In the all-school masses, I would just sit and watch. I never went forward. They didn't teach us to receive a blessing. But on this retreat, the priest started coming to us for communion because it was such a small group, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to ask for a blessing, and as he stood before me, he said, the body of Christ, and I opened my mouth to say, I'm not Catholic, (laughs) But before the words could come out, I received my first communion on the tongue. It changed my life because I knew in my heart then I felt the power of God in a way that I had never experienced before. And I thought, I have to become Catholic, and that started me down that path. Well, that is certainly not the ideal and the norm, right? (laughs) But, you know, we know that grace breaks in in very, very strange and and odd ways in so many people's lives. You know, you, you... You you talk about your vocation story in here, and uh, people are going to be interested in in that for sure. They're also going to be interested in in maybe some of the twists and turns of what you thought you were going to do. I mean, baseball was—I mean, this is the whole reason you started going to that Catholic school in the first place. How far were you able to go with it? Yeah, so I went from uh, high school, I I got a scholarship to play at Mississippi State University, which is a, you know, kind of an annual— baseball powerhouse, got to play in a College World Series my my senior year, was named most valuable player in the regional tournament to help get us to the College World Series. Uh, I signed as a free agent with the White Sox, and uh, that's when the, the dream uh, kind of took a turn, and uh, obviously my plan didn't pan out the way I thought it would, but God had a different plan. And when my baseball career ended, you know, they told me, said, uh, first, you do everything well and nothing great. So I had all five tools, but nothing stood out. And uh, and it was devastating for my baseball career to end, but I had no idea how God would, you know, unfold the story in a way that would bring baseball back into it uh, as a priest. Yeah, and uh, of course, you ended up with the Chicago Cubs. And, you know, a lot of Chicago Cubs chaplaincy through the past hundred or so years has been, you know, where is Christ at the low points in our life, right? But you got to actually be chaplain for the year that they won it all, in, in for the first time in, like, like literally the living memory of almost every Cubs fan. Yeah, it was 108 years uh, between 1908 and 2016, and yeah, it was an incredible uh, experience to to be with them. Uh, Joe Madden, the manager for the Cubs, uh, went through Catholic schools, you know, growing up. And he told me when he became the manager, I, I started in 2013. And I think he came on in 
Father Burke, priests have impacted my life, and I know your, you know, your presence here changes the environment. And so he said, you can go anywhere you want. You just can't be in the dugout during the game because that's MLB rules. He just opened the doors wide. He would allow me to go out for batting practice with the guys. That, that really gave me a, an opportunity to, you know, connect with the guys. They thought, wow, this guy can play baseball, but he's also a man of God. Yeah. And so to be with them in that run for the World Series was uh, incredible. Well, thanks so much, Father Burke Masters, for making a little time this morning and for taking in stride. My uh, my career full of criticisms for the Chicago Cubs as a as a as a personal rival in the NL Central. But you can find Father Burke Masters' book, A Grand Slam for God, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to read about baseball this time of year? This is uh, this is when things get real exciting. Again, all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got headlines coming up next. It's sixteen past. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I feel that God has been really doing a work in me in the last five, ten years. I'm a convert to Catholicism, and I started to just really feel a passion to know more about the Catholic faith, and I started listening to Catholic radio all day. I'm not doing great things, but I'm doing small things with great love. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Iraqi Christian leaders are assisting the United Nations with ongoing investigations into ISIS's targeted genocide against Christians. A sizzling heat wave continues to hit the eastern United States as this week continues, and the president of Central Asia's Bishops' Conference has praised the Pope's visit to Mongolia as highlighting unity despite differences. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, want to point to a project that uh, I'm involved with over the Coming Home Network. We just started a brand new series. Aren't you of... involved with all projects at the Coming Home Network? Well, I am the director of outreach. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, at any rate, this one I'm actually like <laughs> on the screen for stuff. Oh, a project uh, you're involved with. A project. Okay. okay so, sorry. um, on the journey <laughs> is this thing we do with my former. Uh, 
Protestant pastor friends. They're actually my current friends, but they're former Protestant pastors. <laughs> Ken Hensley. Watch where your modifier goes, Matt. I know it. Precision I language, man. So Ken Hensley was a Baptist pastor. Kenny Burchard was a, was a four-square Pentecostal right. pastor. And we do this series about how they went from point A to point B on various theological issues. Mm-hmm. And we started a new series on the church. Like, what is the church? Okay. Like, when they were pastors of churches, what do they mean by church. the church? Yeah. What do they mean by the concept of this idea of, well, one of the Reformation things that Martin Luther maintained was that there is no such thing as a visible church. The church is like this invisible. Right. So what's the point of gathering at all? Right. I mean, that would be a good question. At any rate, we started off a series, and, and the whole first episode is them talking about what they used to think about the word church. Hmm. Back before they started thinking about... You know, the one true church founded by Jesus Christ. Well, that's interesting. Maybe that should be one of the words that we throw in in this new yeah, series with series Father, Father Rob Jack Rob. coming up. Indeed. I talk about my own little experience as well, but it's not as interesting because I wasn't a Protestant pastor. It's still interesting. I wasn't trying to get people to come to my church while also not knowing what the word church meant. <laughs> Their perspective is much more interesting. Kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. An act of love. Lord, teach me to love you as you deserve. Teach me to love you above all else. You created me to glorify you, and I glorify you by reflecting your image and likeness ever more fully. I glorify you not by my own might and striving apart from you, but by my humility, by my receptivity to your light, and by my response to your love. I love you because you are entirely good. It is you who enkindle my soul, who stir my will into act by giving me your own spirit of love. I want nothing but you, no love but yours to reign in my heart. Be my supreme love, my very love, that I may live in you and you in me. Nothing but you, Lord. I want to be filled with you, to see you, to taste and to know and delight in you alone. Not for my pleasure, but for your glory, now and forever. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack. He is host of Driving Home the Faith, uh, which is heard locally here on Sacred Heart Radio, the same station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show. Father, good morning. Morning, Matt. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to speak Catholic over the next several weeks, and we're going to take some maybe Catholic vocabulary that we should know or maybe that we've heard a lot but don't know exactly what it means. So what term do you want to unpack this week? Well, before I do it, I guess it's important for us to frame this issue. You know, uh, when you were you were more of an evangelical before you were a Catholic, weren't you? 
Tis true. I'm still a little bit it, evangelical, but just yes. a little, yeah, just a tad on the side, just to be sociable. Well, anyway, what happens is, is of course you have your own language. We really do, and we have your own language of how you understand God, the mysteries of the faith, Christian moral life, and so you could probably think of one or two words off the top of your head, which if you were talking with your evangelical friend, they'd know what it means immediately, right? I mean, it's we have these terms kind of rotate on like a two decade basis. We bring in new words all the time in that world, right? But in the process of all that, there are still certain words that we understand that as as uh, Christians we're losing the meaning of. You know, one of the simplest ones, of course, is this word freedom. What does it mean to be free in Christ? Now we know what Saint Paul says about what means what it means to be free in Christ. But we have this word and the Catholic understanding of freedom, like the Catholic understanding of love, like the Catholic understanding of sin and grace and redemption and, and uh salvation, all of those words we're losing the meaning of because I can tell when you talk to people about them or when you ask someone to share their faith with somebody else. They don't know the words. They don't understand how our faith has been, one, revealed to us by God, but two, how the Church has taught us to frame it and to use these words with a specific meaning. Because, you know, words, of course, uh, it's always was said by Heidegger, words are the source house of being. In other words, if we don't know how to communicate our faith, then we become our own Tower of Babel, don't we? Well, we do, and you know, not to get too far in the weeds on this, but one of the one of the things that sparked the Reformation and is you know flourished through the Enlightenment and is essentially kind of the the biggest hammer that postmodernism uses to smash everything is this idea of nominalism that nothing really means anything. We just use words to kind of get at concepts that we don't really know, and the words that we use for things can you know sort of shift and morph over time. Whereas the Catholic Church, I mean, we look at these words, uh, you know, when we you know, pray the liturgy when we understand theological concepts. These are we're 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 kind of tapping into classic sort of static meanings. I mean, there may be dynamic ways they get applied, but we're talking about a word that that means the same thing in the church that it meant you know ten centuries ago most of the time. Well, but it's more than that, Matt. It's a meaning and reality because, of course, when we talk about the word word. You know, we look to the Gospel of St. John, and John makes it clear, and this is a principle of Catholic theology, goes all the way back to Justin Martyr and Ignatius of Antioch. So we're talking 2,000 years, and that is the Word became flesh. And so that Word, namely who is Jesus Christ, communicates to us a certain reality. And that reality is the presence of God in the world. It's not just a historical past but it's a real present. And because of those kind of things, when we say the Word becomes flesh, then the Word is no longer anomalous. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means how God has come to speak to us, that the Father speaks His Word in time and space, but that Word has been spoken from all eternity, and that's Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the Word becoming flesh, we're saying something very, very important, and it's about the Incarnation, that Jesus is not just some historical guy that was born of Mary, and that he's, he's just like us in every way, including sin and including doubts and all those kind of things. We find ourselves getting to be Jesus as a 21st century person and not the Word of God 
who is who is truly the embodiment of the truth, the under the one who tells us what the truth is. And and you're right, we do live in a very nominalistic or if you will relativistic world today. And and when that kinda happens, then how we talk about salvation uh or redemption or what God's grace is becomes very, very fluid and in the process very confusing. Well, it's it gets extraordinarily confusing and as you're as you're talking and, and you know determining what our point of reference is, there's a point of reference, you know, God who is outside of time, who is before all things, and through the word, everything, you know, is that now is. Is that our point of reference? There's a point of reference like my personal kind of like opinions and moods, right? No, no, no. Because those are, those are shifting. Well, and see, that's, that's the big difference, and that's why when we talk about a specifically Catholic language, it's rooted in God, which is unchanging. But while it's un- unchanging, it's always ever fresh and ever new, as the Gospel themselves says. Because really, we learn to interpret these words and meanings from the words of Jesus himself, which are in the Gospels, and from St. Paul, who, of course, was revealed to the Lord and gave to him, you know, the, the mysteries of Christ's life. And unless we really study these things and learn what they mean, we do enter into a, a period of, of serious confusion today, Matt. And I think that's one of the things, you know, you take away people's ability to communicate with each other when it becomes simply, as you said, your opinion on this or your opinion on that. Uh, that can get us into all kinds of all kinds of difficulties. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a hundred different words that the Catholic Church uses <laughs> differently that the wor- than the world does. Conscience, freedom you mentioned, yeah. order and disorder, all kinds of stuff. So we're going to have to get into some of these over the coming weeks. Father Rob Jack, thank you so much as always, and thanks for your good work on Driving Home the Faith as well. We'll talk to you soon. You have a good day, Matt. Of course, you can find Father Rob Jack and all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, throw in your email address, and we'll send you show notes delivered straight to your inbox every single morning. Check it out. SunriseMorningShow.com Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Iraqi Christian leaders are assisting the United Nations with the ongoing investigations into ISIS's targeted genocide against Christians. The United Nations investigative team organized a conference which gathered more than 30 community leaders to discuss the recent attacks. A United Nations investigative special advisor said the attacks against Christians are rooted in hate and inhumanity. The community leaders are urging the U.N. to hold the Islamic State accountable in a court of law. Another major hurricane could be forming in the Atlantic. Trey Thomas has more. AccuWeather senior meteorologist Matt Ben says tropical depression number 13 could develop into tropical storm Lee tonight. The eastern U.S., such as uh, the northeastern portions of the U.S., will need to watch this system closely uh, as it begins to turn its way to the north. Ben says this storm is not expected to take aim at Florida. It's heading in a west-northwest direction with 35-mile-per-hour winds, nearing Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands by the weekend. I'm Trey Thomas. Meanwhile, a heat wave continues to hit the eastern U.S. this week. Mark Mayfield has more. On Tuesday, more than 50 million people were under heat alerts from Minnesota to Texas to Massachusetts. Several cities broke temperature records over the holiday weekend. Mid to upper 90s temperatures are in the forecast Wednesday in places like Philadelphia and New York City. In Washington, D.C., the mayor activated a heat emergency. 
The south and northeast could see high temps for a few more days, while the Midwest is likely to get some relief. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis is reiterating his thoughts on how religion or culture could be used for division. During his recent trip to Mongolia, the Pope cleared up some remarks about young Russian Catholics being proud of their cultural heritage. The Pope said people must learn to distinguish between the culture of the people and the ideology of a philosopher or politician who belongs to those people. He continued to say Russian culture has a great beauty and depth that should not be erased because of political problems. Meanwhile, the president of Central Asia's Bishops' Conference has praised the Pope's visit to Mongolia as highlighting unity despite differences. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. In his interview with Vatican News, Bishop Mumbiela highlighted the great faith of simple people, not only the people of Mongolia, but also those who came from neighboring countries, sometimes overcoming great difficulties to do so. At the same time, the bishop said simple people includes also bishops, cardinals, and even the pope. We are all simple people, he said, adding, there is no Superman here. Bishop Mumbiela suggested that each event and each moment of the pope's visit had its own special grace, not unlike the sacraments, with each one serving a different purpose. God's grace is necessary in all areas, Bishop Mumbiela said. I think it is also a sign, he continued, because the pope has different encounters with civil society, with religious, with Catholics, and with non-Catholics and non-Christians. The Lord has graces for everyone. While Pope Francis had been in Mongolia, especially for the sake of the small Catholic community, Bishop Mumbiala called the journey a grace of God for the whole country. The president of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Central Asia said modern Mongolia is a young country with a vision that recalls the past combined with a great youthful desire for the future. He praised its great hope for its young people, saying the church is teaching them that they have the capacity to be something important for this world. Finally, Bishop Mumbiela said that Mongolia can show us how to cultivate peace. Mongolia, in its smallness, has something very beautiful for others, he concluded. It is beautiful to know that although we think differently, there are elements that unite us, and that together we can create the harmony that others notice and that is so distinctively Christian. I'm Christopher Wells. A hearing is set for today in the Georgia 2020 presidential election case. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee has scheduled the hearing to decide on severing some defendants from the main case, saying in a court order that he intends to ask the state for a good faith estimate on the time frame needed to present its case at a joint trial of all 19 defendants, including former President Trump. Every defendant in the case is pleading not guilty, and they've all waived their right to an in-person arraignment. And President Biden will start wearing a mask again after First Lady Jill Biden tested positive for COVID-19. The White House said Biden will mask up, but has been testing negative. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. To live according to the Spirit means thinking, speaking, and working virtuously, not according to the senses or the desires of the flesh. But what are the virtues of the Spirit? Faith, which shows us truths beyond the comprehension of the senses. Hope, which makes us aim at the good that is invisible. And charity, which makes us love God above everything else and our neighbor as ourselves, not with a purely natural or self-interested love, but with a love that is pure, firm, and solidly founded on God. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. We've been going through his book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good, and we get to conclude it, wrap it up today with a verse that a lot of you might not realize you have memorized. Gary, good morning. Hey, Matt, good morning. Uh, I say that you might have it memorized. I know Teresa tamio has got this one memorized. Uh, yeah. It comes up in my conversations with her a lot, but Romans 8.28 uh, if you could, just sort of lay it out for us so people have the gist of the idea, and then we can dig into it a little bit. You, you bet, Matt. And we're going we're to wrap things up really where we began this series. This, is, this, this uh, particular verse from St. Paul, this is the basis for the book. This is the, the core concept, and, uh, and I just thought it was appropriate as we conclude this series to, to really look at this verse. Very famous one, Romans 8.28. Paul writes this, We know that in everything God works for good, with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And you know, Matt, at the beginning I talked about this, and I even write about this at the start of the book. Paul says, we know this. We, we know that this is a fact. We know this. And I ask the question, do we? And, you know, and we've been talking about this for the past several weeks. Do we really believe that God can work for good in every situation, even the bad ones, even the ones that seem to make no sense. And I think we've looked at some pretty convincing evidence that from the Bible over the past several weeks that that is the case. But now it comes time to, to really to look at this and to, to look at what Paul says. We know that this is true. That's what he's saying. And now it's up to us to say, to choose to believe that, yes, it is true. And as, and as I make the point in the conclusion of this book, and I entitle the chapter this, believing is seeing. Sometimes we're used to that phrase, seeing is believing. But if we choose to believe that God can work for good in all situations, and I'm not always saying this is easy, I'm not always saying we're going to feel it, if we choose to believe it, then I believe that we're going to start to see it, even in those situations where previously we would not be able to believe that God is working good in. 
Yes. Uh, and what's fascinating is that this is often very much a long game. Now, in some cases, uh, and uh, we've looked at this because, you know, in your book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good, a lot of these are Bible stories, and some of the people in them don't see the ultimate good. Actually, most of the people yeah. in them don't see the ultimate good that's going to come out of that story in their own lifetime, right? There's good still right. coming out of these stories that have happened in the Bible that are being told millennia later. But the people in yeah. the stories didn't see that stuff in their lifetime. And I think sometimes we've got to take consolation in the fact that maybe the good that's going to happen from this is something we can't even see and won't even live to see. Exactly. And, and that's a great point. And that's one of the reasons that when I decided to write this book, that I wanted to look at these biblical stories. Because if I, if, if I start to look at the situations in my own life, for instance, and I said, well, here's how I believe God brought good out of this I might not even be able to fully see in my own life how God has brought good in certain situations. But in these biblical stories, it's clear to us that he did bring good out of them. But as you say, not always clear to the people as we're going through, as they were going through these stories. And it, look, it's the same way for us, you and I, on this, over the course of the past several years that I've been on this program, we've talked about going through various storms of life, and it's when we're going through the storms and the difficulties of life, we don't always see God working. We don't always understand what He's doing. But again, if we choose to believe it, and that is a choice, it's a conscious decision, if we choose to believe it, then, then I believe it's going to become a little easier to see. And if not to see, then to at least to have confidence that, all right, I don't see what God's doing, I don't know the good that He's bringing, but I'm going to choose to believe that it's happening. You know, it's fascinating. There's another place that Paul talks about some of this concept playing out. Uh, and he talks uh, in first, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 3 and 4, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives— so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. Now, that's kind of a mysterious concept, but sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Gary, you know, through parenthood, work stuff, uh, family illness, all that. Sometimes the fact that you suffered, the, the biggest benefit is so that when someone else suffers, you can go to, up to them and say, hey, man, I know how that feels. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a mystery, yeah. but sometimes... That's one of the most concrete ways that the good can come from your suffering is so that somebody else doesn't have to cry by themselves. Matt, you know, I've been in full-time ministry for close to 12 years now, and it, it's, it's my suffering, it's my struggles with anxiety, it's my fear of the unknown, it's, it's, it's all of these things coupled with learning to trust in the Lord that uh, provides the basis for my ministry. I mean, this is... And I tell people all the time, I keep talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, you don't need to give me new material, but he does. He keeps putting me in situations that cause me to, to, to trust, that, that enable me to trust. Because every opportunity for, for worry is also an opportunity to choose to trust the Lord. He keeps putting me through these things, and I never try to waste them. And I'm constantly saying, aha, I can use this. And I love that verse from St. Paul that you just talked about. It, it means a, a lot to me because it makes me realize that 
the fact that the Lord has brought me comfort and has brought me peace, even though I tend to be an anxious person, even though I struggle with dealing with uncertainty, I, I want to share that with others and let them know, like, look, he's done this for me. He's real. He can help you to find peace. So, yeah, absolutely, Matt. We shouldn't really waste anything we go through, uh, because there are people here who don't know, uh, people in the world who don't know that the Lord can provide that peace and comfort to them. And, and it's really up to us to say, look, he can, and here's what he did in my life. Well, if it was only you and me who could talk about it, that'd be one thing. But your whole book is just full of stories throughout the scriptures where this has worked out in the lives of of great men and women of faith over the years. The book is called When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good. It's been fun to go through and uh, revisit some of these stories that many of us are familiar with from scriptures and even some that we're not as familiar with. But we've got uh, followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I encourage people to go check out Gary, not only this book, but a bunch of other books that you've got on this very topic. Thank you so much for this series. Looking forward to starting some new stuff next time we talk. All right, brother. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. All right. And speaking of Old Testament good stuff, we're going to talk with Dr. Andrew Swafford about the book of 2 Samuel and the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament next. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And all the people who are working so hard to get us on radio, you know, that's wonderful. And even if you reach 100 miles or 50 miles, you help spread the word. And we do all the programming for you. Programming is the expensive stuff, you know, so you don't have to worry about programming. And so we want to thank you for everything you've done to make this radio possible. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Andrew Swafford. He is one of the contributors to A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. We're continuing our weekly Old Testament Bible study 
using that text, you can pick up your own copy. Study along with us at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. Andrew, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back with you, Andy. Thanks for having me. It is good to have you. And last time we talked about the first book of Samuel. Now we are on to the second book of Samuel today. And kind of interesting, I didn't know this until I read about it in in the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, that uh, we have them as separate books in the Bible today, but that may not have been the case originally. No, that's right. These books really form a unity, and one way to see that literarily is uh, the, the way in which the Song of Hannah and the, and toward the beginning of First Samuel, First Samuel 2, is really kind of bookended by a lot of similar themes with the Song of David in Second Samuel 22. And so they, and then there's a, they really echo each other, and they're, they're kind of like bookends to this really this unified work uh, known as Samuel. And Samuel, by the way, means uh, either name of God, so shame means name, Shem, um, or it could be God hears. So Shema is a, is a verb that if we have the ayin dropped off, uh, it would be Shemuel could mean God hears. So God hears or name of God is what the, the name Samuel means. Wow, and Samuel who heard God, like literally. Right. Yeah, yeah, at a cool. time when the Word of God seemed to be uh, not being heard very well. Wow, yeah, well, and uh, we see the Word of God not being heard very well in uh, certain parts of the second book of Samuel, that is for sure. But before we get to some of that, who are who are the important people to know in this book? Well, you know, Second Samuel really very much, we're, we're seeing the kind of transition from the house of Saul to the house of David and the rise of David. So um, David uh, is going to figure, is going to loom very, very large. Um, we're going to meet Nathan, the prophet Nathan. We're going to meet Bathsheba. We're going to meet Absalom and Amnon. And um, so it, it, basically, the, 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 really the rise of David's kingdom. But then, then we're going to have kind of a tragic downfall of David, and it's going to lead to suffering and strife. Um, and it's going to set the stage. We're going to have the birth of Solomon before it's all over. Hmm. Okay, yeah. So actually, that leads me quite seamlessly. I was going to ask if you could give us an overview of the major events that happen in Second Samuel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, I, chapters one through four are really part of that transition from from Saul and the rise of the you know, dynasty of Saul or the <clears throat> house of Saul to the house of David. But by Second Samuel five, um, David takes Jerusalem. So David is going to be anointed king over all 12 tribes of Israel. So, um, and that's going to be really important. So this kind of unified all 12 tribes under the Davidic king, and then David takes Jerusalem, which is something uh, in the book of Joshua tells us, Joshua 15, verse 63, that Joshua couldn't take Jerusalem. So there's this real sense in which David kind of completes what Joshua began. And in the next chapter, he brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And this is huge in 2 Samuel 6. And it's loaded with all kinds of beautiful things uh, we could talk about in a minute if you'd like that really parallel Mary's visitation, that portray Mary as the new Ark of the Covenant. But then in chapter 7, that sets up where the Davidic covenant is made, where in seemingly really in the response to what David just did in 2 Samuel 6 of bringing the Ark to Jerusalem, um, and then now the Davidic covenant where God promises David an everlasting dynasty, and there's, there's all kinds of things uh, present there. Uh, even speaking of the Davidic king as going as going to have a special kind of divine sonship, that he will be my son, I'll be his father, 2 Samuel seven fourteen, and that's there's a sense in which that's true of the Davidic king by way of adoption, but it's, it's pointing to the, the one for whom it's really true, Jesus Christ. Um, and then chapter, you know, as you move through from there, 8, 9, 10, David 
conquers uh, the surrounding enemies of Israel, Philistines, and the like. And, and really what happens is these people become kind of vassals, and they become kind of incorporated in, and we're going to see this with Solomon later on in First Kings, um, they're really entering into, in a sense, the Davidic covenant. They're kind of coming to the temple and coming to know the God of Israel. So this is like a brief snapshot of the universality of what Jesus will do in the, in the New Covenant. But then by the time we get to chapter 11, we've got the famous scene with David and Bathsheba. And, and, and there's a couple, I mean, David is sort of idle at his, you know, back at his palace while his men are at war. And so that's really the first clue of something is amiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees Bathsheba and, you know, and, and, and this is, there's obviously a huge power differential between a king and, and, and this Bathsheba. And, um, I mean, basically, it, it, you know, he, he ends up more or less raping her and 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 impregnating her and ends up murdering her, you know murdering her husband and um, and so that and then this is you know the next chapter Nathan calls him out on this um, but then like there's a real spiral event from chapters eleven through twenty where just this sin leads to dysfunction and strife and family division uh, to the point where Absalom one of his sons is driving David out of Jerusalem. Um, and, and so there's this very kind of tragic turn of events, and then we'll end with David repenting. Um, we'll end with David uh, purchasing the, the area of land that's going to be where the temple will be built um, by Solomon, his son. So it, it ends on more of a higher note, but it, it, it's sort of this glorious rise and this tragic downfall, and then this, you know, this hope for repentance and new beginnings. Yeah through the son of David, which is an important term in salvation history. Now, we talked last time when we were discussing 1 Samuel about this, you know, getting these glimmers of of God's ultimate plan for salvation as, as we see the rise of the kingdom of David and what that's going to mean for us as Christians in his church. Can you talk about the role of typology in in second samuel i mean what do we learn about jesus and as you mentioned his mother in this book yeah i mean there's so i gosh there's maybe three things um a couple things stand out for sure so we mentioned the ark of the covenant um when david brings the ark second samuel 6 to jerusalem series of parallels the parallel the way luke recounts mary's visitation so david arises with haste um, the leaping and dancing before the ark parallels John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb, leaping before uh, Mary when she comes to visit uh, Elizabeth. Um, the ark stays at this house of Obed-Edom for three months, just as Mary stays at the house of Zechariah for three months. Um, so all these, and the ark of the covenant, uh, you know, just so we're all on the same page. I mean, this this is the holiest object in all of Israel. This is where God's presence dwells, ultimately in the Holy of Holies. Uh, it housed the Ten Commandments. It housed an, a, a, a jar that held the manna. It housed Aaron's high priestly rod, just as the Blessed Mother in her womb has the Word of God made flesh, has the bread of life, uh, and Jesus is the eternal high priest in Jesus. So, this, I mean, there's no way an Israelite could say in the ancient world, oh, I love the Lord, just get that stinking ark away from me. It's like, no, no, it doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, the this is, I mean, this is monumental things to say about the Blessed Mother, that she is the new Ark of the Covenant. Um, the other thing, David, we mentioned him taking Jerusalem. David clearly acts not just like a king, but a priest king. And you see this very clearly in Second Samuel 6, where he's wearing a linen ephod, a priestly garment. He offers sacrifice. He gives the blessing. So David really is acting the part of a new Melchizedek, a new priest king of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which is equated with Salem, 
Um, and this, this all sets, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about here, but Jesus, you know, as you know, is, is said to be a priest, not according to the order of Levi, but the order of Melchizedek. Yes. Uh, and this is extremely important to see how this is connected to David. Yeah, it's, I mean, we, we, we could continue going on here, but the, the Ark of the Covenant, David, the role of David as priest, king, and son of God is something quintessentially fulfilled in Jesus, and something that we all enter into via our baptism. We become sons and daughters in the Son and share in His priestly, prophetic, and royal mission. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Andrew Swafford. If you would like to pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, you can find it at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. You can also find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. So we are very much in the realm of the kings now in salvation history as we make our way through that guide with uh, with Dr. Andrew Swafford. So kings coming up next. Well, not like next, next, but next time. Because next... We got Father Philip Michael Tangora, Carlo Broussard, Dr. Regis Martin, and our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast. Next hour, for those affiliates carrying the Sunrise Morning Show for Hour 2, coming up next. Stay with us. For more than two... Is the Sunrise Morning Show for your Wednesday, September the 6th. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, draw all people to yourself. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is darkness, let us bring light. Where there is sadness, let us bring joy. Lord God of light, you have shone upon our darkness and set us free through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Grant us the grace to live in the freedom of the children of God. Where we walk this day, we may bring light through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we have much of which to speak. Uh, we're going to be checking in uh, with... Uh, Father Philip Michael Tangora to look at some remarks from the Holy Father in uh, Mongolia in relation to Vatican China stuff. Carlo Broussard will discuss relativism and gender ideology. He's been trying to unpack a bunch of that stuff in a book that he wrote recently for Catholic Answers. We'll check in with Dr. Regis Martin from Franciscan University, also pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast before the hour is done, so stay with us if you can. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Iraqi Christian leaders are now assisting the United Nations with the ongoing investigations into ISIS's targeted genocide against Christians. The UN investigative team organized a conference which gathered more than 30 Christian community leaders to discuss recent attacks. A United Nations investigative special advisor said the attacks against Christians are rooted in hate and inhumanity. Community leaders are urging the U.N.
to hold the Islamic State accountable in a court of law. Oil prices are on the rise after Saudi Arabia extended its oil production cuts through the end of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. According to the state-owned news agency, the voluntary one million barrel per day reduction is going to be reviewed on a monthly basis until then. The Saudis first applied the cuts in July after oil prices fell below $75 a barrel. After Tuesday's announcement by the Saudis, Brent crude prices jumped above $90 a barrel. I'm Mark Mayfield. Another major hurricane is likely forming in the Atlantic Ocean. The National Hurricane Center says a tropical depression strengthened into Tropical Storm Lee yesterday, packing winds of roughly, roughly 45 miles per hour. It's forecast to strengthen into a major hurricane later this week before reaching Category 4 status by Saturday. The system is moving west-northwest and could impact the eastern Caribbean, including the Leeward Islands in Puerto Rico. It is unclear if it will directly impact the United States. Less than 24 hours after returning to Rome from Mongolia, Pope Francis made a surprise visit to the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith to express his gratitude to the soon-to-be former prefect. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The director of the Holy See Press Office, Matteo Bruni, announced in a statement that the Holy Father visited the Vatican Dicastery on Tuesday morning just after 9 a.m. There he met with and thanked Cardinal Luis Francisco Ladaria for all his work during his years serving as its prefect. After meeting with the Jesuit Cardinal, the Holy Father also greeted various officials within the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. In July 2008, Pope Benedict XVI appointed Ladaria, a Spanish Jesuit and theologian, as the secretary of the then Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith and made him an archbishop. Pope Francis named him prefect during his pontificate, succeeding Cardinal Gerhard Ludwig Müller. The Pope named him a cardinal in 2018, and Cardinal Ladaria served as the dicastery's prefect from 2017 to 2023. Cardinal-elect Victor Manuel Fernandez of Argentina is succeeding the 79-year-old Cardinal Ladaria as the prefect and will soon take office in mid-September. The Holy Father just completed his four-day apostolic journey to the Asian nation of Mongolia to visit its 1,500-strong Catholic community, which is mostly concentrated in the nation's capital of Ulaanbaatar. The visit marked the Pope's 43rd apostolic journey abroad and the 61st country he visited as Pope. I'm Devin Watkins. Narcan will be available over-the-counter starting this week at major retailers like Walmart, CBS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid. The nasal spray can be used to help people suffering from an opioid overdose and requires no training to use. A box contains two doses and will sell for $45. And Netflix is releasing the trailer for its Chicken Run sequel, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, follows Ginger as she creates a peaceful sanctuary away from humans after escaping the evil farmers trying to make chicken pies. Things seem to be going great when a new threat emerges in the world of chickens. The original Chicken Run was released in theaters in 2000 and made more than $227 million in its run Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget will begin streaming on December 15th. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I do like... Chicken Run has made a comeback in my household. The children found it on a VHS tape at my parents' house. I mean, Chicken Run's a good movie. It's a really good movie. So, I mean, but I like all the, the Wallace and Gromit stuff. 
that uh, the Gromit verse. Oh yes. Or is it the Wallace verse? Like all that stuff. We're big Sean the Sheep people. Oh yeah, me too. Anything sure. by Ardman, really. The whole Ardman. Studios. Although I've never seen that soccer movie. What was that soccer movie they did? I don't know, but Do all remember? I can think of is Shaolin Soccer, and it's definitely not Ardman Studios. They did a soccer movie. Yeah, they did. What was it called? They did like a pirate movie. They did a. Oh, I've never seen that one either. They did the um, the one with the like the rats in the sewer. Was it flushed away? I don't know. I, I, I got to okay. go back and, and think. Well, I mean, right. honestly, though, for me, like oh, the original yeah, Wallace and Gromit shorts. Are just like... I didn't know that. Okay. Love Curse of the Were Rabbit. Yes, Excellent. of course. We Excellent. Watch, that's our Halloween viewing. Oh, yeah. Well, we watched no great it all pumpkins the time. around here. Um, Early Man. That's the name of the soccer movie. Early it's Man. It's like the invention of soccer. I had oh. never heard of Flushed Away. I'm not familiar with that one. It's all right. It's no Wallace and Gromit. It's oh no the gosh. wrong trousers. That's what I'll tell oh, you. Oh man, that's Freddie's favorite. Freddie will wrong often. Freddie, when he doesn't want to go somewhere, he doesn't want to get in the car, get out of the car. He'll tell me he has the wrong trousers, and then end up on the other side of the yard, and then mm. I have to go chase him and tell him that he needs to put on the right trousers. Put like a rubber glove on his head and pretend to be a chicken, to even though he's a penguin. No, the yeah. penguin never put on the wrong trousers. No. It was Wallace. He's pretending to be Wallace. Well, I know. Come on, like, Matt. The glove on the head pretending to be a chicken thing is a... Amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's foolproof. <laughs> Today is Wednesday, September the 6th. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Father Philip Michael Tangora back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a pastor and a canon lawyer, author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, everybody. So Pope Francis just got back from Mongolia, a country sandwiched between Russia and China, which honestly made this visit super intriguing from the get-go, given that those countries would probably not allow him to visit at all unless they could use it for propaganda purposes. But that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about uh, <laughs> some comments that he made while in Mongolia, which makes the Vatican-China deal even more interesting if you kind of read yeah. between the lines of what the Pope said here. So this is um, – he was at um, – I'm not sure what it was, an event, and uh, two bishops from Hong Kong were there. And he says these two are – these are two brother bishops, the Emeritus of Hong Kong and the current Bishop of Hong Kong. I would like to take advantage of their presence to send a warm greeting to the noble people of China. To all the people, I wish the best. Strive ahead, always advancing. And I ask Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens. Thank you. Now, Father, how is it that Chinese Catholics can be good Christians and good citizens? What does that even mean? It's a very good question because in accord with the Chinese Communist Party and their uh, program of sinicization, so making anything that comes from outside of China Chinese, mm -hmm. all right? So the Christian faith, uh, in accord with the Communist Party of China, has to undergo cynicization to become more effectively Chinese. And this is not just a cultural dialogue. This is a philosophical reality. So it would actually 
change. It, it, the Chinese Communist Party claims the ability to change the faith in order for it to be more authentically Chinese. And what is more authentically Chinese is that which is the dictates of Mao mm. and his little red book. So this becomes obviously a very interesting notion. So then how is it that you can be authentically Christian and at the same time, uh, authentically a good citizen of China. Uh, now, this phrase of good citizen has been used by prior popes and bishops, even uh, during other times where the church was being persecuted and religious liberty was being uh, under, uh, uh, you know, uh, under attack in given countries. So, what does this really mean? It's kind of like render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, mm. I think would be the, the most positive way of interpreting this and saying, okay, remember what is truly the faith, what is truly of God, and at the same time, give the respect to the uh, public authorities, the civil authorities, because we don't need to cause any further uh, grievance, any further um, arouse suspicions and things of this sure. sort. Sure. So then what would that make? That, that makes sense for an average, ordinary Catholic living in as a citizen of China. But what about from an Episcopal standpoint? I mean, the Pope on his flight this home. This becomes very difficult. Yeah, I was going to say on, on his flight home from Rome, he said there's long been this commission with the Chinese government and the Vatican uh, to negotiate on the appointment of bishops. Is that okay? Uh, no. Uh, well, first of all, there really should be something that uh, in the code of canon law that anything said at above 35,000 feet is null and void. <laughs> well, I mean, but, of course, um, we know he's not like but, speaking yeah. ex cathedra here, but anyway. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, in, in the Second Vatican Council's document on the ministry of bishops, the office of bishops, uh, paragraph 20 makes very clear uh, that since the apostolic office of bishops was instituted by Christ the Lord and is directed toward a spiritual and supernatural end, this ecumenical synod declares that the right of nominating and appointing bishops belongs properly, specially, and of itself exclusively to competent ecclesiastical authority hmm. and removes any rights of the civil authorities should no longer be granted rights or privileges to elect, nominate, present, or designate candidates for Episcopal office. So not even to uh, nominate or uh, propose candidates. And that is further reflected in the 1983 Code of Canon Law in Canon 377, number five. But this was uh, not always the history of the church, was it? I mean, there were there no, were long and, history and of uh, governments getting involved with with Episcopal appointments. Absolutely, and this was one of the issues of Episcopalism, also known as Gallicanism, in France. Mm -hmm. And in to the to this day, there are still some uh, treaties with different uh, German states, uh, oh, where there. That where there are, and, and the, the selection of bishops goes through the Secretary of State 
of the Vatican City State and not mm. the Congregation for Bishops or the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples because uh, of being in a missionary territory. So there are still some concord that's between the Vatican and different states, but this has greatly been reduced and greatly uh, modified since Vatican II, since the 1983 Code of Canon Laws promulgation, that this is uh, truly the the sole uh, right and um, provision of religious liberty. Because if you can select the bishop, then you get to select the spiritual leader, the teacher of the faith. Yeah. Uh, and that really can undergird authentic religious liberty because then that bishop is, is he serving the church or is he serving the state who made him a bishop? And that's a particularly important question to ask when it pertains to China. Absolutely. And the whole uh, process of cynicization. And are we going to have an authentic Christian faith or are we going to have the Christian faith modified by Mao? Hmm. Well, I don't know that we have an answer to that question at the moment. Is that what would you say uh, that's we, fair? We, we don't. Uh, and this is a very sticky wicket. Let's put it like that. And it's surprising to see that this commission and this now process of ceding the election of bishops over to the Chinese people, or the Chinese government, I should say, uh, is occurring post, obviously, the Second Vatican Council hmm. and its defense of religious liberty and its movement away from uh, a state-run church versus a, or a national church versus a very truly independent church. Well, we'll continue to see if uh, we get more information about how all of this is working with China, because, of course, much of that deal is still under lock and key. But appreciate your thoughts this morning, Father Philip Michael Tangora. We've got Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. God bless, everybody. You too, Father. Thanks. All right. At 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Headlines coming up next. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is everywhere. 
EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Iraqi Christian leaders are assisting the United Nations with ongoing investigations into ISIS's targeted genocide against Christians. Oil prices are on the rise after Saudi Arabia extended its oil production cuts through the end of the year. And less than 24 hours after returning to Rome from Mongolia, Pope Francis made a surprise visit to thank the soon-to-be-retired prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise... <coughs> pardon me. The what's sunrise our, morning what's our show's name? That's a very good question, Anna Mitchell. S-O-N. The S-O-N Rise Morning Show. So uh, I wanted to remind you that now that everybody's back to school and in their routines, theoretically, I mean, we're still still kind of weird because it's a short week. Routines. Um, but what such as routines? it is, you're back in routines. Okay. Um, just want to remind you that some of you have been away from the summer and everything's been wacky up in the air. Now that you're back in town, your local Catholic radio station could use your help. You're, you signing back up for like one of those regular monthly donations. I know that certainly here at Sacred Heart Radio, which produces the Sunrise Morning Show, we were like really excited when somebody gives a one-time gift. But the only way that you can know for a fact you're going to have enough to pay the electric bill and uh, the transmitter fees and licensing stuff is if, is if there's like a regular like monthly thing that's month. coming in. Yeah, just like you know how to budget for gas because you know how much you get paid every two weeks you know what i really appreciate about um monthly donations from like a giving standpoint is that i can set it and then i know that i'm giving every month and i'm not i don't have to remember you have to remember to do it because that's my you mean set it up like you would your amazon prime and your netflix and your disney plus and your hulu that's interesting and your mlb tv wow wow you could do what it that an way. interesting thought there, Matt. Most of your local Catholic radio stations and EWTN have an option for you to do that, so Most appreciate definitely. the help. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place my trust in Thee. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place my trust in thee. Whatever may befall me, Lord, though dark the hour may be, in all my woes, in all my joys, though naught but grief I see, O sacred heart of Jesus, 
I place my trust in thee. When those I loved have passed away, and I am sore distressed, O sacred heart of Jesus, I fly to thee for rest. In all my trials, great or small, my confidence shall be unshaken as I cry, Dear Lord, I place my trust in thee. This is my one sweet prayer, dear Lord, my faith, my trust, my love. But most of all, in that last hour, when death points up above, O sweet Savior, may thy face smile on my soul all free. O may I cry with rapturous love, I place my trust in thee. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. Carlo Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. Listen to his Sunday Catholic Word podcast at MrSundayPodcast.com. Invite him to speak through CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com. Good morning, Carlo. Anna Mitchell. Good morning to you. It is good to have you. And we're continuing our way through your book, The New Relativism. And we spoke last time about the relativism rooted in transgender philosophy. And when you allow for partial relativism, it is not long before things devolve into total relativism. So let's talk about why transgender philosophy is false. So to start us off today, can you talk about what is Cartesian dualism and how it applies here? Yes, yeah, so Cartesian dualism is coming from a view of the human person that um, was made popular in the modern era by 17th century French philosopher René Descartes. It actually goes all the way back to Plato, but the idea is that we as a human beings are a composite of two distinct substances my body and my soul. And so the soul is the true self, the thinking self, what is called the res cogitans, right? Mm -hmm. And then the body is a distinct substance that's joined to my soul in an accidental way, such that, Anna, my body has no bearing whatsoever on my identity as an individual human person. So we're more, at, we're more like a ghost in a machine hmm. rather than the Aristotelian and Thomistic view coming from St. Thomas Aquinas that I am an individual substance that is made up of two distinct principles, my soul and my body, such that, Anna, my body is, my body is, has a bearing on me as an individual human person. So that, Anna, when you hit me, if you were to hit me, or when you're talking to me, you're not just talking to my ears, you're not just talking to my body, you're talking to me, an individual substance, an individual human being. So uh, Cartesian dualism is this idea that we have, we as a human being are made up of two dual, distinct substances, body and soul, that happen to be joined in an accidental way, and it coming from René Descartes, hence the Cartesian. And what I argue in my book, Anna, is that it's this assumption that contemporary gender ideology arises out of and is based on. Mm -hmm. 
Because the only way that it can be true for the, for, for the male body or the female body to not be representative of one's quote-unquote gender identity and who the person really is is if the body is a distinct substance having no bearing on one's individual identity, which is Cartesian dualism. Yeah. So what I say in my book is that if Cartesian dualism is false, well, then contemporary gender ideology, transgenderism, must be false. You can't have one without – you can't have transgenderism or contemporary gender ideology without this Cartesian dualism, this particular view of the human being. And so uh, if you can prove Cartesian dualism to be false, then you can prove transgenderism to be false. Well, talk about the the Christian understanding of the body and the soul particularly. Yeah, so the soul is the principle and virtue of which I have – my body is a living body, fundamentally, most uh, – at bottom bedrock, right, at the mm -hmm. bottom. But my soul also is that in virtue of which I have certain powers to be able to act in and through the body. So the soul gives me the power to see which is actualized and is performed in and through the body of the sensory organ of the eye. The soul allows for me to have the power to hear. The soul allows for me to have the power to propagate the human species, but it's in and through the organs of the body that's united to the soul. And so the soul is this principle of all of these powers that I have, Anna, as a rational animal. So the powers of rationality, intellect and will, comes in virtue of my soul. The power of my animality and doing animal things, seeing, hearing, propagating the human species, also in virtue of this single principle called the soul. And so on this view, Anna, notice how I am an individual substance that is composed of soul and body. And so my body does have a bearing on me as an individual. Again, such that when you're talking to me, Anna, you're not just talking to my body. You're talking to me, an individual person. Okay, sure. And if but... you were to hit me, you would be hitting me, yeah. not just my body. Well, okay, sure. But that's like the whole body, Carlo. What about this one part of my body that is, you know, raging against my soul if I'm transgender? Right. Well, that one part of the body is essential to the individual human being representing the male or the female. So if the body is essential, Anna, to the individuality of the human being, then the, uh, the parts of the body, particularly maleness or femaleness, is going to be essential to the individuality of the human being. Hmm. All right, we'll leave it there for now. We've got so much more to discuss as we make our way through Carlo's book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists from Catholic Answers Press. And you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Carlo, really appreciate it. Thank you. And I have a great day. You do the same. Thank you very much. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Iraqi Christian leaders are assisting the United Nations now with investigations into the ISIS-targeted genocide of Christians. 
United Nations investigative team organized a conference which gathered more than 30 Christian community leaders to discuss recent attacks. The United Nations investigative special advisor said the attacks against Christians are rooted in hate and inhumanity. Community leaders have been urging the U.N. to hold the Islamic State accountable in a court of law. Another major hurricane could be forming in the Atlantic Ocean. Trey Thomas has more. AccuWeather senior meteorologist Matt Ben says tropical depression number 13 could develop into tropical storm Lee tonight. The eastern U.S., such as uh, the northeastern portions of the U.S., will need to watch this system closely uh, as it begins to turn its way to the north. Ben says this storm is not expected to take aim at Florida. It's heading in a west-northwest direction with 35-mile-per-hour winds, nearing Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands by the weekend. I'm Trey Thomas. Meanwhile, a sizzling heat wave continues to hit the eastern U.S. this week. Mark Mayfield has more. On Tuesday, more than 50 million people were under heat alerts from Minnesota to Texas to Massachusetts. Several cities broke temperature records over the holiday weekend. Mid to upper 90s temperatures are in the forecast Wednesday in places like Philadelphia and New York City. In Washington, D.C., the mayor activated a heat emergency. The south and northeast could see high temps for a few more days, while the Midwest is likely to get some relief. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis is reiterating his thoughts on how religion or culture could be used for division. During his recent trip to Mongolia, the Pope cleared up remarks about young Russian Catholics being proud of their cultural heritage. The Pope said people must learn to distinguish between the culture of the people and the ideology of a philosopher or politician who belongs to those people. He continued to say Russian culture has a great beauty and depth that should not be erased because of political problems. The president of the Central Asia Bishops Conference has praised the Pope's visit to Mongolia as highlighting unity despite differences. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. In his interview with Vatican News, Bishop Mumbiela highlighted the great faith of simple people, not only the people of Mongolia, but also those who came from neighboring countries, sometimes overcoming great difficulties to do so. At the same time, the bishop said simple people includes also bishops, cardinals, and even the pope. We are all simple people, he said, adding, there is no superman here. Bishop Mumbiela suggested that each event and each moment of the pope's visit had its own special grace, not unlike the sacraments, with each one serving a different purpose. God's grace is necessary in all areas, Bishop Mumbiela said. I think it is also a sign, he continued, because the pope has different encounters with civil society, with religious, with Catholics, and with non-Catholics and non-Christians. The Lord has graces for everyone. While Pope Francis had been in Mongolia especially for the sake of the small Catholic community, Bishop Mumbiala called the journey a grace of God for the whole country. The president of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Central Asia said modern Mongolia is a young country with a vision that recalls the past combined with a great youthful desire for the future. He praised its great hope for its young people, saying the church is teaching them that they have the capacity to be something important for this world. Finally, Bishop Mumbiela said that Mongolia can show us how to cultivate peace. Mongolia, in its smallness, has something very beautiful for others, he concluded. It is beautiful to know that although we think differently, there are elements that unite us, and that together we can create the harmony that others notice and that is so distinctively Christian.
I'm Christopher Wells. A Fulton County Superior Court judge has scheduled a hearing today in the Georgia election interference case. It's set to weigh the issue of severing some defendants from the main case. The judge overseeing the matter says he intends to ask the state for a good faith estimate on a time frame needed to present its case at a joint trial of all 19 defendants, including former President Trump. Every defendant in the case is pleading not guilty. The final co-defendant in the election interference case waived his right to an in-person arraignment yesterday. And Narcan will soon be available over-the-counter starting this week at major retailers like Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past... This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, is baptism necessary for salvation? Baptism is necessary for salvation, because without it, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We know that baptism is necessary because our Lord told his disciples, Go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. However, there are different kinds of baptism. It's not that baptism by water is always necessary. There is also baptism by blood, the baptism of the martyrs, and there is also baptism of desire. Those who truly desire to be united to God, who want to be with Him and follow His commandments. God respects that desire to be with Him. He sees their desire and the grace moving within them, and He thus can save them through a form of baptism. And so, whether it's baptism of water, baptism of blood, or baptism of desire, some kind of baptism indeed is necessary for salvation. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Regis Martin, who teaches at Franciscan University and uh, writes for numerous publications, including the National Catholic Register. Dr. Martin, good morning. Good morning. Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you as well, although you've kind of got my head spun around a little bit this morning. I read your piece on angels, and the question might arise, why does God use angels to intercede for us and be intermediary messengers. But then that brings up the question like, well, why did God use my parents to bring me into the world? Why didn't he just bring me into the world myself? And then there's other questions like, why does God use oxygen to, you know, animate my lungs? Why doesn't he just animate them himself? So the question of why are there angels kind of ends you up with the question, why is there anything? Right. Yeah, why being rather than nothingness? Uh, why would you want to uh, limit uh, the freedom of God? 
well, why can't he exercise his liberty to do as he jolly well pleases? I mean, he made the world, uh, and if he wants to fill it with angels and men, uh, then I, I think that's his affair. And it makes the world, I, I think, richer, more diverse, uh, more interesting. Uh, I, I think it's helpful to look at the business of angels from the standpoint of, of reason. Uh, it's not reasonable uh, to exclude uh, an entire dimension of human experience uh, or created being. For example, the encounter with angels, pure spirits, uh, to say, look, it can't happen, it's intrinsically impossible. That, that it seems to me, is pretty crippling, pretty self-limiting. In fact, it's irrational. And that's what Luther and Calvin did when they eliminated the book of Tobit from, uh, from the Old Testament. They, they declared that it was only apocryphal, uh, and it had no canonical status. That, that it seems to me, is impoverishing. Uh, I, I like how James Joyce put it when, when he left the church and became an apostate. A, a woman accosted him and said, well, Mr. Joyce, why don't you now become a Protestant? And Joyce responded, Madam, I may have lost my faith, but I certainly have not lost my reason. It's not reasonable not to believe in the possibility of what St. Thomas calls separated substances. Uh, And we don't believe in angels because we think it charming or we find them endearing, because they're not at all charming uh, or endearing. In fact, they're fairly terrifying figures. It seems to me that if you were to look straight on the face of an angel, you would drop dead. You could not bear the beauty of it. And that's precisely why angels appear in so many different disguises. Otherwise, we could not survive uh, the encounter. It would be too intense, uh, too terrifying. Well, there's even the verse that says, you know, don't be hesitant to welcome strangers because who knows that you might be entertaining an angel in disguise, right? Yeah, and Um, wasn't the Blessed Mother wonderfully welcoming? I mean, she was wonderfully receptive. About as receptive as anybody could possibly be, right? I mean, this is is the glory of it. But at the same time, you know, the the Book of Tobit has uh, just this profound story of Raphael and his engagement in that story. And, you know, even though that's not in the Protestant canon, you still got to reckon with Gabriel. You still got to re- reckon with right. the angels that announced the the news of the birth birth of Christ to the shepherds. You got to reckon with all kinds of things sure, where do. the angels yep. are. So, uh, what are you supposed right. to do with that? Well, I, I think you're, you're supposed to uh, ad- admit it with uh, with 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 holy resignation. Take pleasure in the fact that God is prepared to uh, to work all kinds of miracles to contrive all kinds of uh, crazy coincidences to bring about uh, salvation. It's not possible to have an Annunciation in the absence of Gabriel, who comes to make the announcement and to solicit uh, the freedom of a young uh, Jewish uh, virgin. Uh, There has to be that mediation, Uh, and that's good, because we're not pure spirits. We're embodied. uh, we're, We're incarnate spirits, and so we have to experience the other through the things that we know, through the windows of the senses. I don't know what the conversation was like, how long it lasted, but there was an encounter in the order of history, the order of time. Uh, and the supernatural 
the celestial impinges upon the order of creation at every turn. And to sort of rule that out as intrinsically impossible, which is what the Enlightenment uh, project uh, is all about, really does limit not only the freedom of God to do as he pleases, but it limits in a drastic way the capacity of man uh, to experience, to perceive, to take in the other, the absolute otherness of God. Well, Dr. Martin, in my, uh, in my Coming Home Network uh, work that I do as part of my, my day job, I hang out with Protestants all day long. Uh, many of them at various stages of discovery in regard to the Catholic Church. And it amazes yeah. me how many of them uh, come from traditions that would say, and this is very much uh, you know, off the, the branch of the Reformed tradition uh, in the Continental Reformation, that, that miracles ceased at the end of the yeah. New Testament, right? Or that the angelic yeah. activity that we see in the New Testament was just this sort of flare-up because Christ was walking the earth. And so there was all kinds of spiritual, supernatural activity going on that is no longer going on because Christ has risen and ascended. And, you know, there's a reaction to the other side, right, from some of the, you know, Protestant movements that are so obsessed with spirituality that they can't knock over a coffee cup without thinking, well, there's a demon at work here, (laughs) right? So so how does the Church call for a balance and understanding how, how this all works in reality? Well, I mean, the Church is not disjunctive. She's conjunctive. It's both and. It's not either or. It's not either spirit or matter, God or man, grace or nature. Uh, You can have the whole shooting match, the whole nine yards, both and. It is possible that chance is the way God operates, but he doesn't want to leave his calling card, uh, so we call it chance. Uh, But it's not randomness. I mean, God is able to to sort of insert his will into the order of time and space, and to do so in very creative, if uh, oblique, ways. And angels happen to be messengers of God who communicate his love, his consolation, his power. And I find, I find that enriching. Uh, it somehow ennobles the human condition to know that there are others among us who are not material, but pure spirits that we can have converse with, we can have some kind of exchange with. And that makes life, I think, far more exciting, exhilarating even, to know that we're not alone. Well, we were talking recently with uh, our friend Dr. Paul Thigpen, who wrote a book about extraterrestrial intelligence in the Catholic faith. And the subtitle of that you'll appreciate, the subtitle is, Are We Alone in the Universe with God and the Angels? Because the Church does definitively teach about extraterrestrial intelligence, right? Because that's that's what the angels are. Yes, yeah. I mean, we, we, we certainly, I, I think many of us believe in UFOs, but angels are not UFOs. They're not unidentified, and they're not objects. I mean, they fly, they move quite quickly, but uh, they're not objects. They're persons. They think uh, and they love. Uh, they just do it rather more quickly than any of us, and they don't have matter to get in the way. They're pure spirits. But those pure spirits, because of that, that, that nature that God endowed them with, are capable of reaching into the material universe if God wishes to dispatch them to assist him in the whole economy of salvation. That, otherwise, you limit God. You just say, look, you can't really do that. that that's, that's a bridge too far. God is the bridge builder. He can bloody well build 
however many bridges he pleases, and the angelic order represent one particular piece of divine engineering. And how much do we know about that? Well, not even... I mean, we know what we've been told, but there, who, who can imagine what there must be in that realm to explore and discover? It's a, right. it's a fascinating thing to contemplate and ponder. We've got your article, Dr. Regis Martin, uh, from the National Catholic Register, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. The article is called, The Church Points Us to Angels Because Angels Point Us to God. Dr. Martin, always a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye. All right, we're back after this. It's 14 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor, former seminary instructor, and we like to take this opportunity once a week to dive into social and emotional well-being from a Catholic perspective. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. So you use a word a lot here uh, in this segment, resiliency, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, being able to uh, weather tough situations in life. I wonder uh, maybe how some of the things that have been going on with wildfires in Hawaii, with hurricanes in Florida, all these kind of like mm-hmm. highlight the importance of us really understanding what this means. Yeah, a famous psychiatrist uh, started out a book one time. His first line is a gray line. Life is difficult. Uh, So bad things will happen. So nothing that we're going to talk about today, Matt, says we should just have kind of a stoic philosophy like it doesn't really bother us. 
but it's really like when bad things happen, what are we going to do about that as mature human beings and especially as Christians? And a lot of what I'm going to talk about today applies to parents starting the school year. Uh, and the reason I, I'm leading in that way is that during the pandemic, I think a lot of our young people in high school, college, and young adults uh, were just felt like they were victims of circumstances and there was nothing that they could do about it, kind of this helplessness. So there's another way to, to look at things. Uh, and I want to start out, uh, you know, a little quote from, uh, uh, you know, someone who's got a great book called Mindset, Carol Dweck. And she says, if parents want to give their children a gift, the best thing they can do is teach their children to love challenges, be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort, and keep on learning. That way they will have a lifelong way to build and repair their own confidence. So I think what she's saying there is we can't protect our kids from all bad things happening. You know, when they're little, we try to, you know, keep them from scraping their knees and all that and falling. Uh, but as they get older, life is going to happen. I mm -hmm. can't help but think directly. It sounds so much uh, like the way that St. James leads off his letter, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where he yeah. says, consider it pure joy, brethren, whenever you face trials of any kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. <laughs> it's the same yeah. kind of concept. Well, right. And we're not saints, Matt. I'm not a saint. And I, you know, read uh, St. Catherine of Siena, Rose of Lima, and they actually, you know, their prayer would be, you know, they encourage their folks to uh, pray for crosses. Well, I'm not quite there yet. So I I'm think another word here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think what we could do, one of the cardinal virtues is fortitude. So that's a different word, older word for what we're talking about here today. We could certainly pray for fortitude and strength and the ability to cope with things. So the, the kind of the research that I want to get into, Matt, there's in, in our uh, field, resilience is one word. Another word is hardiness, right? So kind of toughness of spirit. And there's actually a lot of research on that, that people who have this quality, we can actually quantify it, we can find it, we can measure it, that they tend to cope with the inevitable difficulties of life a little bit better. Uh, and there's, and you know, here's a quick definition from the American Psychological Association is what's hardiness? It's the ability to adapt to unexpected changes, a sense of purpose in daily life, and that I have some control over what happens in my life or how I respond to what happens in my life. And two of uh, psychologists went further and they said there's really four dimensions of that. So one would be, they, they call it the four C's, commitment, control, challenge, and connection. And the commitment is that I stay engaged with life. I involve myself with the activities of the world. I don't retreat, right? I don't withdraw, I don't isolate. Uh, second one, the control, is that I do have some way to influence what happens around me or to respond in a better way. I'm not a victim, I'm not helpless. The third one, challenge, a belief that, you know, fundamental belief that change is gonna happen. Change is actually the normal state that things stay stable for a little while, but then they're gonna change and we have to kind of get our mind and our soul around that. And the last one that's been added is connection, that social support, having peer uh, people that we can count on, uh, a support system, whether that's in friends at work, in church especially, it kind of makes us stress hardy. It hardens us up a little bit, right? Now, the the other caution I put in here, Matt, the other one you didn't mention, you mentioned uh, fires and the hurricane, of course, and we our prayers go out to the folks affected by that. But I think a lot of people are still 
recovering from the pandemic. And nobody knew that was coming. I mean, some people had kind of predicted eventually we're going to have a pandemic, but all of a sudden things shut down really quickly. And in our field, we have a way to talk about there's there's PTSD, but there's also acute stress reaction, which usually goes on for four to six weeks. So think about that. In the middle of March of 2020, everybody was just, everything was disrupted. We're just upside down. It's going to take us a minute. And that four to six week time, think about that in your own life. Like by six weeks after all the announcements came out and all the, the scariness, we were starting to adapt. A lot of businesses adapted. We moved over to more uh, virtual interaction and business. A, a lot of us were still suffering people who lost jobs or have had somebody who was very sick with COVID. But, but we weren't in quite the same state of shock six weeks out. So it takes us a minute. Nobody can just react perfectly when something rolls down the road. And as far as parenting, think, you know, just some questions for parents. Uh, do, do we overprotect? I think there's a lot of that going on that we just uh, want to coddle our kids. And another way to do that, I think there are some very positive ways to get around that, to build this hardiness in our kids, is we can think about in our life, like the pandemic is one example. So what, what did I do as a, an adult to cope with that? And just to acknowledge that I was scared, I was overwhelmed, you know, I, I was worried about the future, worried about my health, our, our family's health. But what did I do over that next few months to, to cope? Uh, so can I share those stories with my kids? And can I push them, like Carol Dweck says, to embrace challenges? One of my friends says, I'm going to do one hard thing today, no matter what. And I think that's, that's very important. And then to tie that in with faith. How does our faith help us to have fortitude and to cope and not just to give up and be a victim? Well, thanks so much. <clears throat> Pardon me, Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast. You can find him and all of our guests linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Com. Again, that's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. Hope that you're settling in. You know, Anna Mitchell, the pandemic is, is sort of one thing. Everybody kind of experienced it once, and, and uh, there's all that all that weirdness. But every right. year around this time, we've all got kind of this thing that turns our whole world upside down, which is school starts. Oh, I know, right? So... I had to, like, get my routine back in order that I could get lunches packed and still get to work on time. Setting out outfits the night before, yep. not waking up if yep. you've got school uniform situations and realizing, ah, we got everything but school pants. Oh, I know. Finding matching socks. The struggle is oh, real. Oh, gosh. It's well, the we are worst. with you in it. We are. We are here with you. You know, other... Uh... Solidarity, man. Other uh, other media outlets are concerned with like geopolitics and, and stuff like that. We're like, we're with you in the trenches when you're we trying to find school socks. Finding the socks. We'll be with you in the trenches again tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.